What's going on, folks? Welcome to episode number 138 of the San Diego Padres EBT podcast. Uh, I'm your host, James Clark, and Mr. Dominic Stern is here with me. What's going on, Dominic? Uh, Padres baseball is in the air. It's a great time, right? Yes, I, I can feel it out here in the great state of Arizona, Maricopa County, the world's finest county. It's not, but uh, I, I'm, I'm excited. I got tickets to a couple of spring training games, so nice. I'm super excited. I'm still trying. I'm going to wait it out, wake up early Sunday morning and see how tickets look for that Mariners game, the first okay. game, because I was at the first game last year. Mm-hmm. And as far as I can remember, that was the only time I've ever been to the opening uh, opening day of spring training for the Potters. And of course, we made the postseason that year, so I don't want to take all the credit in the world for it, but... If I can keep that trend going, the Padres. Yeah, I. Yeah, so I mean, if anyone's listening, uh, my Venmo is Dominic Dash Stern. I can use that money to go to the Padres spring training game, and uh, the Padres will make the playoffs. I can guarantee you of that. Just because I go to the game one of spring training, not because the Padres were a playoff team last year, and then added three really good starting pitchers and. Yeah. No, that's the relevant stuff right there. Yeah. Right. So, but I'm excited. I, I'm. I can't wait to get back out there. Obviously masked up because I, I do care about the well-being of other people. And I don't mind being it's a spring training game. I'm not like trying to like heckle the opposing players or like yell at the umpires for a bad call or stuff like that. So I, I don't mind. And I, I can't wait to see these guys again because it's been almost a year. So since any Potters fan has seen the Potters play in person. Yeah, it's uh, it's a good time, and and there's a lot of action going on in, in spring training. Uh, we are lucky enough to be joined. Uh, Mr. AJ Casabo will be joining the show shortly, uh, giving us some fresh uh, stuff from Peoria. He's uh, out there taking videos, out there gathering information from what he can, and uh, it'll be a great show. Uh, stay tuned. Mr. AJ Casabo will be right with us. Welcome back, folks, to episode number 138 of the East Village Times podcast. Uh, here with Mr. AJ Casabell. This is his sixth season covering the Padres. What's going on, AJ? Uh, nothing relevant or new going on in Padre land, right? I mean, it's pretty pretty quiet these days, right? I, you know what? The, the end of February is always the toughest time to come up with stories and things to write about, like after camp begins. But the Padres have made it easy on me, not only this year, but like the last three or four years. They, they always yeah. seem to do something big in mid to late February. So uh, I, I, to, to, I thank AJ Preller for that. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, you know, the beginning of the, the beginning of your tenure here in, in San Diego with the Padres, it was a little rough creating content there for a little bit, but now it's just like, where, where do I go? Where do I go? I mean, it's, it's fun times, fun times. Um, can yeah, you, just, you didn't love the deep dives into Ryan Schimpf and Corey yeah, exactly. exactly. It was, it was a, uh, it was tough times. Uh, give us the feeling that it's, that, it, that, that you have there. And I know the fans aren't allowed to exactly experience what you are, but give me the feelings uh, in Padre land right now. Well, from camp, it's definitely weird. I mean, like first and foremost, from my perspective, it, it's just weird because nor I mean, we're used to fans even on the backfields, and we're used to probably better access to these guys. So it's it's harder to get like a like a genuine feeling for 
the level of excitement and we're getting that that level of excitement through zoom mostly almost exclusively uh but i mean like it's clearly there it's clearly there, there's clearly a lot of people really excited about this team there's a lot of people really excited about new teammates like this this roster has just been overturned six or seven times it feels like in the last two and a half seasons and and it's a completely new group of guys and and frankly a really talented group of guys and so like it's a lot of new guys coming together and kind of learning from each other which i think in its own way leads to its own sort of like it, may, it can make a team better because you have new guys who haven't worked together bouncing ideas off each other so it's i mean it, there's there's a lot of reasons for excitement and uh i think we're just seeing kind of the beginning of it yeah, and you have had the privilege of being able to go on the backfields and watch some of the pitchers because we've seen some of the videos you've posted on Twitter. Chris Paddock, Joe Musgrove, today you Darvish. Who have you been most impressed with so far just from watching from a weird angle and in very short amounts of pitches? Who have you been most impressed with? Yeah, I'll, I'll temper that by, like you said, like it's it's just a short amount of time. Um, so it's hard not to, like, don't get, don't get too excited about what we see right now. But I will say, I think I came away today impressed with what I saw from Ryan Weathers. He saw, he faced the basically the heart of the Padres lineup twice. He faced, I want to say, I think it was Machado, Hosmer, Pham, and then the same guys again, plus Pham twice. And he held his own. Like this is a guy who last year wasn't in big league camp. And like, I mean, he was a prospect, but he wasn't necessarily a can't miss prospect. And he added the velocity to his fastball. He looks like a legitimate major league pitcher. He's 21 years old. So there's still probably some room to grow. And so I, he, he held his own today. He went, I think an inning in two thirds, he was the first guy really to like pitch in a game like setting for the most part. A lot of these guys are just going out there facing as many batters as they need to get their pitches in and, and then they're done. But uh, yeah, I think he looks like a, like a major league arm. I think a lot of people in the Padres can't feel that way. It's just a matter of maybe getting him some, getting him built up a little bit. He's only 21. Yeah. And something that I struggle with when I see these clips or just even hear about them from you guys and the other beat writers is it's hard for me to judge. Like, should I be excited that these pitchers are striking out the batters or should I be concerned that the pitchers are striking out our batters? And I know that the batters aren't necessarily at full 100% like taking this super seriously yet, but how do you judge those? Because it's really weird for me. Yeah. I think it says a lot about, uh, not to get philosophical. It says a lot about who you are, how you choose to look at it, because I've seen kind of both reactions on Twitter. And I don't think, I don't think it's fair to read, read too much into either one of them. What I will say is I think the, at the early stage of camp, uh, pitchers are probably a little bit ahead of the pitchers. Pitchers have to be a little bit ahead of the hitters because, uh, like they're the ones that have to get built up and the hitters, at least from my perspective, don't really need, I think if you ask most hitters, they'd say, yeah, give me two weeks. And I think I'm, that'll get me ready for the regular season. Pitchers need the the full kind of six weeks. And so pitchers are a little bit ahead. And that's why I think you see some more dominant pitching lines, but uh, it's uh, yeah, it's always an interesting kind of conundrum. Like today, today uh, I Brian O'Grady took you Darvish deep and Darvish, faced five other guy or had five other plate appearances and got five outs through strikeouts. But I saw people keeping yeah. praise on Brian O'Grady and, <laughs> and, and asking what's up with you Darvish. And it's just kind of like, well, you, I mean, it, this is a, this is a backfield <laughs> spring game in February. So maybe the answer is not to get too excited about either, but I mean, you should be allowed to get excited because it's, I mean, it's baseball season. That's, that's, yeah. that's the real reason behind it. I, I think that's mostly it is that 
fans are just so, so starved. And, and the Padre fans especially are just so excited for the season. They want every little tidbit of information that you can get. Um, let's talk about you and the fact that, you know, this has been a difficult year covering the team the last year. You're, you're used to having access of the players up front. You can, you know, get little information here and there by by seeing personnel in the front office. Uh, how How has your coverage of the team changed this past year when it's just strictly via zoom yeah so i've tried not to make i've tried to make keep it as steady and normal as possible uh just because i don't think like people people don't people don't care about the challenges of my job when they're reading stories they want to read what's (laughs) happening with the padres and so the goal is to get as much insight as you can that being said it's definitely changed in terms of like interactions with people and with players there's no every single minute is recorded on zoom and every single like every single formal interview is recorded on zoom and it's you're you're just not going to get as many kind of fun little interesting tidbits when you're not just shooting the breeze with the guy finding out his day-to-day whatever and so there there are things that fall through the cracks and i think like without knowing it uh the fan base kind of suffers a little bit because you don't get the same kind of connection to some of these guys. You don't know some of the inside details and some of the inside stories, but there are ways around that too. And mm-hmm. I mean, the good thing is like, I've, I've done this for, this is my sixth season. I've done this for five years and I, I like, I've built enough relationships with people who can kind of help me out a little bit and who and and, and the Padres staff has been helpful kind of getting me to get me insight that I need. And, um, and so it's, I mean, it's, it's kind of a delicate balance because it's, no one wants to, no, no one, no one cares that I don't have the access I have. They want Padres information. They want po- insight into what's happening with the Padres. And so I do my best to give that to them, even though I don't have the same uh, leeway to talk to people that I usually have, which I mean, that's fine. Make do with what you have. And it's, I mean, at least we have, we have baseball and we have a season and there is a way for us to cover it. And that those, these are all good, exciting things. Yeah, no, there's been it's this has been a trying year for a lot of people, and there's been challenges for a lot of people. And this it's just another example of of the challenges that we face and, and that you're facing. Uh, kudos though for you for for coming out and, and creating the same content and the solid stuff, man. It's good stuff. Uh, let, let's let's delve into the team a little bit. Um, obviously, the Padres picked up a lot of pitch starting pitching this year, uh, this off season. Uh, who does AJ Casabell view as the Padres' ace right now? <laughs> That's an interesting question because ace is such a it's such a baseball, it's such a baseballism. Like what even is an ace? I, I think like you could go back in the past and say, well, was, was Clayton Richard their ace when he started opening day and whatever, Eric Lauer, the, I, to me, the answer is no. And I think this year the Padres have three aces at, at least. Uh, I, if I'm choosing the opening day starter and you're giving me everyone available healthy, I think I would give it to Nelson Lamette because of a, what he meant to the Padres last season. And B, I just think, Frankly, he might be the most when he's on, he might be the most dominant of that Lamette Snell Darvish group. And so uh Darvish and Snell have done it for a little longer than Lamette has, but I just think Lamette's stuff is so good. So uh I also think you you maybe need to factor in some other considerations like when the off days are gonna line up and when where the schedule is. It's not I was I was just gonna ask about the Casaville math if that's started if that's started yet. <laughs> yeah, it's I mean it starts and I, I haven't asked the questions yet of Jace Tingler because I don't wanna once once you start, you can't stop asking who the opening day starter is. But yeah, I, yeah. I think there's there, there's more important things than who the opening day starter is there's important thing the important thing is keeping guys healthy as long as you possibly can and uh i'm not exactly sure when the off days line up where they do in april i just know that there aren't many of them and so say you want to nelson lamette to be your number one starter but he's coming off injury 
and and you can line him up better if you start him on that third day because of whatever. And this is a hypothetical. I don't even know what, when the off days are exactly right now. Uh, I, I think you do that because the reward of an opening day start is nice, but the goal isn't just to, to be really to have your best guy there on opening day it's to have him there in October. So I, I think the Padres ace, if you want to say who is their, who is their best starting pitcher? I mean, I think Lamette would be the guy I would turn to for opening day. I also think like Blake Snell was really good in the postseason last year. So if you want a guy to start a must win game, like you have a guy who's, who's, who's done that right there. So uh, the answer, and it's not a, it's, I mean, it, it, it's kind of the boring one is that I think there's three of them. Yeah. 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 James stole my question there. I'm always the guy who asks, who do you think is the Padres ace? So uh, that, that doesn't help, but uh, there's been a lot of talk about teams potentially using six man rotations for at least the beginning of the season to help get pitchers back up to it a little bit and ease the tension from going from a 60 game season to a hundred, 162 game season. There's also been some talk about how that's nonsense and they don't need that. What is your opinion on the six man rotation? And do you think the Padres could utilize that, especially considering the starting pitching depth that they have? Yeah, I think they will utilize it. I think they have they have enough starting pitching depth, and they also have enough just general pitching depth to the point where they could go with with almost like a five man rotation. And then I, people don't like bullpen days, but I mean, to those people, I would say just like kind of get over it. Like if if you have enough good arms, and it's going to keep your five starting pitchers fresh, sometimes that's just the way to go if you don't want to be calling guys up, moving, shuttling guys back and forth. And so I think I think there's a spot for a sixth man in the rotation. Um, I don't know if it's going to just, I don't think it's as simple as saying, all right, season starts April 1st. We're going six guys and we're rotating all the way across the board, just straight across. I think it's, Oh man, this is this. I know the, I know there's a stretch with 17 games in 17 days in April. Like you can look at that and be like, ah, it's probably better if, if, if we go with a six man for this stretch, just because it's April. And just because these guys are, we're slowly building them up it just might be smarter to do that then. So I, I think the answer is like a five and a half man rotation where when there's, when some guys are overworked or some guys are overtaxed, you throw Adrian Morihone into a start and ask him to go four innings. And other times of the season, when you have off days, you just ride the five horses that you have and, and let them go. So I, I think it's uh, every team's going to do it differently. It's a, it's a unique challenge this season, but it's uh, it, it's a challenge where, you can say, yeah, I want, I want guys to pitch every four days and bring back the four man rotation. It's a challenge where that's not the answer. The answer is to err on the side of keeping these guys healthy. So you're good in October. It's nice to win games in May, but you don't want to do it at the, at the cost of your starting pitchers health or, or their stamina for later in the year. Yeah. And a bit of an article plug for you. You released an article last night, tweeted it tonight about Murray home stretching out as possibly that extra starter if needed. Do you think the Padres view him as that sixth guy, or do you think a guy like Brian Weathers or maybe even Mackenzie Gore could be that sixth guy? Yeah, I think that's part of what spring training is like for them to figure out because uh, they, I, they they know Morihone can be that guy, and I don't know if they know like if he's can go six innings or even if he's like a, like a, a like a your your traditional starter. Uh, but they know he can be that. Like if you need him to go four, start a game here and there, he's more than capable of doing it. Uh, so he can be that guy, but the bullpen, the lefties in the bullpen, I think there's question marks with Jose Castillo and with Matt Strom. And so like, if you need that extra left-hander in the bullpen, is he better served filling that role? 
And there's also questions about like those guys you mentioned, Weathers and Mackenzie Gore. Like if those guys come out and shove in spring training and they make it pretty clear that they're that sixth guy or they they deserve that sixth spot, maybe they maybe they win it. So it's it's almost less of a question of Morey Hone, who I think's really like his stuff's really good and he could be really good, and more a question of like where he fits better on the team. And as things stand right now, you just say these are like these are your this is the situation if you're he could go either way you want to build him up to be a starter because you can't just make him a starter out of thin air when he's been throwing one inning in relief so i i think he opens as a starter but he could do anything and i mean that's extremely useful yeah what what great problems that uh, aj preller jace tingler and then watches <laughs> right now i mean this is this is a really just awesome for them to just comprehend who are we going to start what are we going to do i mean there's options now with this team uh let's stick with the rotation and talk about mr chris paddock someone who's kind of been uh up and down uh what do you make of chris paddock um last season and what do you what do you think that we'll see from him in 2021 yeah i i don't know the answer to what we'll see from him in 2021 it's it's i mean last year was obviously not good and it was not what Chris Paddock wanted. Mm-hmm. I, I think maybe the the reaction from Padre fans was probably skewed in the wrong direction. I mean, it was uh, Padre fans loved him when he was the sheriff in 2019 and he was yeah. rookie of the year candidate and punching guys out and shouting out Pete Alonzo and striking him out three times. Like, they, like that's who Chris Paddock is. And so when he struggles, he's still going to be confident. He's still going to be Chris Paddock. He's just, you're just going to like it less because he's not pitching well, which that's, that's just the nature of it. I don't think the issues have to do with his, with, with that swagger. I think some of the blame got put there. I think the issues have to do with his fastball. His fastball wasn't good last year. And the reasons behind it were, I, I, I don't know the mechanics behind it, but the reasons behind it were just that it was a different pitch. It wasn't, it didn't have the rise. It didn't have the late life and it wasn't missing bats. It was veering into guys barrels and he was getting shelled because of it. And when you only have one off speed pitch, that's a true put away pitch. Like yeah. you're going to struggle if your fastball is not good. And so if, and Chris Paddock seems to have bought into this logic, if he can figure out how to fix his fastball, how to get that late life that he's always had his whole career, except for last season. And last season was weird. If you can get that, I think we're going to get a really good version of Chris Paddock. Yeah. And again, another great problem for the Padres to have, to have him at the bottom of the rotation to kind of just, you know, pick it up and, and, and just kind of soak up what he can get from the other guys and potentially improve. There's really not as much pressure as there was last year. And, and hopefully he responds to that. Uh, just nothing but well wishes for him. Let's move on to the bullpen. Uh, tr- obviously, Trevor Rosenthal wasn't signed by this team. They adjusted with uh, an addition of uh, Mark Melanson and, and Keela. Uh, give me your impression. Is Melanson going to be the closer right now? Is that pretty much give, a given for the Padre team? I don't think it's a given. I think uh, Drew Pomerantz and Emilio Pagan could both serve in that role. Kind of similar to what we were talking about with uh, with the with the rotation, how they want to ease guys off it. I wouldn't be surprised if like early in the season, they weren't throwing guys back-to-back days. And this is a team that plans to be winning a lot of games. And so if they have safe situations on back-to-back days, maybe you go Melanson one day and Pomerantz the next day, and maybe you align it based on what matchups you have. I don't, I don't, I don't know the answer to that question yet. I think Melanson will get some saves this year. I think he'll be a closer. He will get a chance in closer situations. I don't know if he will be the closer. I think that's kind of TBD based on performance and also based on situation and rest and health. 
And I'll stick with the bullpen before moving over to hitters. One guy in particular that I'm really intrigued by is Austin Adams coming back from an injury last year, pitched in a really small role, would come in to face a righty, get him out to end the inning and then come out or something along those lines a lot of the times. But now with the departure of Rosenthal and I guess Yates, even though he never was a part of the Potters when Yates was healthy last year, do you think his role could be a little bit bigger in 2021? If he earns it, his role definitely could be bigger. The Padres are they're, they're probably counting on at least one of those guys, one of those like big stuff guys to to fill that middle inning role because I, they have those four four names that I think we've already mentioned toward the back end. Uh, and then they have guys like Austin Adams and Jose Castillo, whose stuff is, I think, probably even better than some of those guys at the back end, but who just they have these big question marks around them. And so if you get like one of those guys to to – reach their potential of what they are and what they can be. And they have question marks because of injuries, because of, I think in Austin Adams case, it's a, like, it's a matter of throwing strikes and, and getting like, if he doesn't, if he stops walking guys and still does what he does with his slider, he'll be one of the best relievers in baseball. Yeah. But he like, that's just kind of a part of it. I think when you have a slider as good as he does some like, maybe it's just hard to control. I don't know. I like not many guys have sliders that are that good. And so, uh, I, I think he absolutely could be that guy toward the back end of the bullpen, but he, he's not going to be that guy on April 1st. He's going to, the Padres are going to put him in situations and ask him to earn it. And based on the stuff he has, he absolutely could earn it. Yeah. And moving to some hitters, I don't want to say we've become concerned with Ha Sung Kim on this podcast, but we've had Jiho Yu from the KBO, Jonathan Mayo, Kyle Glazer and Keith Law, and they've all said that they think that adjusting to the higher velocity fastballs in the MLB is going to be a problem, and that's what they think is going to be the biggest issue of holding them back. Do you see that as being a problem, and what have you seen from him that could be encouraging uh, in the short stints that you've seen him in camp? Yeah, I'll be honest. I've, I've focused most of my stuff on pitchers, so I haven't even – I don't think I've seen very much of him aside from in the field. So I haven't seen him really at the plate at all because he hasn't faced any of the pitchers I've been watching. Um, uh, that being said, I think he's, I think that's absolutely a question mark. That's like, it's, it's very different. The velocity is the velocity in major in the major leagues right now is frankly, all time high. It's huge. It's all, it's all time high. And it's, it's, it's almost, it it feels like it's, uh, it's going up kind of exponentially at least in the last 10 years. So it's, it's going to be a challenge and there's going to be an adjustment period. I think the Padres factored that in when they signed him and they knew it might've been a challenge and they knew there might've been an adjustment period. And I don't know what that means for his long-term path, but I think they feel like they wouldn't have paid him the money they did if they didn't think he would be an important contributor long-term. I think they've cushioned, they've cushioned, they've given themselves a a soft landing a little bit because they have Jake Cronenworth, the jerks and pro far and one of the deepest offenses in baseball. And I mean, if you're starting him only against left-handed pitchers or if you're starting only against a certain type of pitcher, maybe one with a lower velocity, uh, you can set him up to be in positions to succeed and you can, he's versatile. You can get him in when you need to get him in. Uh, and if he's struggling, you have other guys that can, that can fill that role. So they, it's, you're not going to, you're not going to write him off because he struggles in April and May of his first season playing major league baseball against that kind of velocity. But I think it's fair to say if he's struggling in April and May, the Padres might ask him to take a back seat to some of the really good versatile infielders they already have. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a fair assessment. I mean, he's still young enough where you hope that he can make the transition and, 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 and get better, if you will. Uh, we'll just have to wait and see what, what we see from, from Hassan Kim. I'd love to talk about the center field position uh, behind Trent Grisham. There really isn't a backup. Uh, you're talking about Myers, Mateo, Profar, maybe. Um, do you view that as a problem for this team or, uh, and who do you think right now would be the backup if, if they were to op- go into opening day right now? I think they probably have multiple backups based on okay. like what they would need. I think Jerks and Profar is going to get a look there uh, okay. in camp. I, I have, as things stand, I have Brian O'Grady as the last man on the roster. Uh, okay. That can change. Mateo could win that spot. Someone, someone's going to get that spot. And I, I, it could be Luis Camposano. They could carry a third catcher. I mm. see it, it better person. Just speaking personally, I see it better for probably his development. If he were uh, playing games in the minors, but so, so if it's not him, it's going to be someone who can play center field. I think the other options pretty much all Ken and Mateo O'Grady, uh, those kind of guys. But I think you might see Profar there. Okay. Like as a starting center fielder every now and then, if you want, if you want to get Trent Grisham and just a day off against a tough left-hander, I wouldn't be shocked at all. If Jurek's and Profar switch hitter, I mean, he's just Profar is such a valuable utility piece considering all the positions he can play. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if, if you, if he's starting against a, a really tough lefty in place of Grisham, just to give Grisham a, a day off. I wouldn't expect that in the playoffs or in a huge game or whatever, but I mean, you're going to have to balance balance things a little bit. So I, I would think Profar is probably the, the probably the primary backup. Uh, but I also think I have Brian O'Grady on my roster as things stand right now, subject mm-hmm. to change. And yeah. uh, I think, uh, I think he could, he, he, he can definitely handle it too. Yeah. Hey, what have you seen early in O'Grady? I know you didn't see much of the hitters, like you mentioned. Um, he seems like he's someone who's, uh, I don't want to say AJ Pro's type of player, but he's someone with a high on-base percentage, kind of an unheralded type player who could make make a mark in this team. Uh, what have you seen from Brian O'Grady so far? Yeah, that's the type of player that AJ was. AJ basically spent the last four years trying to acquire because there were like none of them <laughs> in 2017, yeah. like those on-base guys with some pop. Yeah. Uh, I, I, from what I've seen so far, cause I saw him face Darvish a few times and then I saw him face who was at Alta Villa after that. He puts the ball in the air and he hits the ball. Like he, he doesn't get cheated. And so it's a fun little plate approach. He seems like, I mean, it's February. There's not, you can't read into it, but it seems like he's, he's raring to go and looking to win that roster spot that's up for grabs. So I, I, it's an interesting signing. It's a fun one. He couldn't be optioned in the minor leagues if you need to. So it's a, uh, it's uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see where it goes, but it's just good to have. I think all the guys they traded away, I'm sure I'm going to forget someone, but like Trammell and Franchi yeah, and they had so many left and nailer, all the lefty hitting outfielders. They just needed kind of someone to replenish that depth. And O'Grady's yeah. as good an option as anyone. Exactly. You know, you know, AJ, you've been around uh, this team a while. You've been around the franchise a while. You know that uh, Padres Twitter is an entity in itself. Um, I'd love to discuss the account Judd59521000, <laughs> which has gone viral, I guess you could say, in, in, in the last weeks. Uh, give me your thoughts on, on that account, if you will. Uh it's the most classic Twitter thing I've ever seen. It's like, yeah, really. I mean, I, I don't, I don't have any thoughts cause I don't, I don't know what the heck it is or who the heck it is, but I, I, I know who, what the fan suspicions are. And I, uh, I follow it too. And I am intrigued as well. I guess that's all I'll say. 
there you go. I, I noticed that. That's why I asked because you know I just I, I didn't know. I thought maybe you had some insight there. Maybe it was maybe it was you tweeting on the side with your your <laughs> your, your, your your account. Uh, another thing I'd like to address that was kind of went viral last night is Josh Hader rumors and the Milwaukee Brewers. Anything you're hearing on that? Any relevancy towards that? It seems like the Padres are pretty much stacked right now. Is this just rumors, if you will? I think it's probably more than just just rumors. If just rumors are like something that people want to happen, but there's no yeah. substance behind it. What like I think the Padres are interested in Josh Hader because Josh Hader is a really good pitcher. They've they've asked the Brewers about him, but they ask a lot of teams about a lot of guys. And from my understanding, where things are right now, the price is just really high on Josh Hader. So there's nothing imminent on that front. But that's not to say that's not to say that nothing could happen. The Padres clearly like Josh Hader. Uh, but why wouldn't you like Josh Hader? He's, he's, he's well, maybe the, he's one of the best relievers in baseball. So I, I think it's uh, rumors of something being imminent are are not accurate, but rumors that the Padres are interested and think they could upgrade their bullpen and are ha- have asked the Brewers in the past about him. Those are that's all true. And so, yeah. that, I mean, read into that what you will. I don't know what comes next. Yeah. I think the Padres are pretty comfortable with the group that they have, but. AJ Preller, it seems even when he's comfortable with the group that he has, he's still ready to go out and do something else, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I've got one more question for you. It's sort of a personal question. I've been really intrigued by what seems to me like your relationship with Jesse Agler, the voice of Padres radio. Uh, when you guys were on Padres social hour at the beginning of quarantine, it seemed like you guys got along and you're very similar with kind of like, I don't want to offend you to like baseball nerds and like just <laughs> stats and like fun stuff. And then, you guys are always bantering like during the game, whenever you tweet out like a pun or he tweets out a pun and then you guys just go at it. And I I found that really entertaining. And can you give us any more insight on the relationship that it seems like you guys have? Yeah. I mean, that's just what we, that's what we do off air too. Normally in a normal season, we'd spend a lot of time kind of waiting around for waiting before the manager talks and waiting before some players supposed to talk or whatever. And we, all the same kind of zany ideas, the baseball nerd ideas, we have the same conversation. So I think we both view the game in the same way in that, like we both really love it, but we're both really open to like some of the new concepts and, and kind of trying to make it as like make some changes to the game or, or at least maybe go, go over, mull over some ideas that could change the game for the better in our opinion. So, so it's, 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 it just, it's that we both really love baseball and want to kind of spread that joy of baseball to as many people as possible. And generally speaking, we both of us tend to have a lot of ideas on the subject. And so it, it meshes pretty well, whether that's on Twitter or whether that's on social hour or whether it's in on a backfield, just hanging around waiting. Yeah, no, I've witnessed it firsthand. You guys really interact well and it's, it's, it's great having you part of this organization. Uh, AJ, my last question for you was uh, last season, uh, in the press box, there was a game going on uh, where uh, press members were going to call a shot of a home run. Uh, it had to be done before a pitch. Um, I don't know. Ex- I don't remember the exact dynamics. It had to be. You're only allowed to do it once a game, and it had to be done right before the pitch. Uh, did anybody hit hit on that last season? Just, just I don't there. think. Ah, uh, you know what? Off the top of my head, I think we had one hit. I think one of the ah uh, shoot. I think one of the Padres PR people hit on it. I, so the okay. the game okay. is um. The game was just, you have, you call yard before one pitch, you get one pitch each game. And if you get it wrong, you're done. There's no, yeah. yeah, that's it. You get one, you get one shot. And if you get it right, everyone, I mean, you everyone, look yeah. like a wizard. It's, a great, it's, it's, it's one of the greatest feelings. And so I, I hit five of them in 2019. 
Wow. Uh, I think three Fran Mil Reyes homers and a couple yes. others. So, uh, but then I, after they traded Fran Mil Reyes, I haven't gotten one since. So, uh, <laughs> yes. I, so I, it, it's a game that it started with my old, uh, my roommates from when I first got to San Diego, we just, just watching the TV, you get one yard call per game, how okay. you have to do it on that pitch and no, no cheating. Like, you, you can't do it twice. If you do it twice, you get shunned. And so yeah. we, we yeah. did it for basically an entire season and no one got it. And then like right at the end of that season, I want to say it was like late September, Will Venable hit a homer in a game that we were, we were at, I was there. It was probably one of the last games I attended as a fan, uh, just, just there in attendance in the outfield. Will Venable hit a home run that my, that my old roommate called it on. And, uh, that was the first yard in history. And that kind of gave birth to this game, which is now carried over into the, into the press box. And it's just a game. I mean, we just, we just, you just call it. And if you get it, everyone there kind of looks at you and gives you that nod and you feel really good about yourself, but there's nothing on the line. So it's a, uh, it's a lot of fun. It's uh, sometimes it, uh, some games that aren't, uh, that aren't the best yeah. or that maybe don't have that spark. Sometimes it's just a little fun, fun thing to do. And, uh, there's a strategy to it. If it's a two Oh count or a three, one exactly. count, you get that righty lefty matchup. And exactly. yeah. I think, uh, I think some of the guys it's, on the team this year, you'll have the right it, matchup. It's about being in, in touch with your feelings. And if you get that feeling, you got to call it. And, and there, and there it goes. I remember last season in Peoria, I had a feeling uh, about an Edward Oliveira's pitch. Next pitch, he hits home run. And I was like, "Damn, I should have I should have said something." But you know, that's that's the nature of the game, right? You gotta you gotta call it out when you feel it. You gotta call it when you feel it. And I I can't tell you how many times there's been a someone's hit a home run and be like, "Man, I should have called it right there. Why was yeah. I not thinking of it?" And yeah. conversely, nine nine times out of ten, it's just ball three, and you just kind of yeah, exactly. roll your eyes and go on. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, thank you, AJ. Castavell, so much for your time, man. We really appreciate it. you. Do great work for the Padres. Great work in Peoria. Keep up the the the, the outstanding work. Uh, best of wishes to the family and best of luck to the family, man. I know this has been a trying time for all of us, um, but we sincerely appreciate your coverage of the team. Cheers, guys. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, man. Have a good one. Welcome back to episode 138 of the Padres East Village Times podcast. That was our conversation with AJ Castavell, Padres MLB.com beat writer. Man, I love listening to AJ Caswell. He's yeah. th- he's done a lot more talking now that the Potters are good. You see him a lot on MLB Network because, yeah, of course, he, he is an employee there. So he goes on that. I, I love reading his stuff as a journalism student. His yes. writing is very creative. The way that he formulates his tweets to uh, be very clever. He's, he's a thinking baseball fan. Uh, yes. It was very implied by my last question to him. I also, <laughs> enjoy, I also enjoy Jesse Eichler, too. So yeah. It was certainly cool, you know, not just like as a Padres fan, but also me as a journalist to have that conversation with him. That, that was cool. I feel like I could, could talk baseball him with him for a long time. Yeah, he's a, he's really a good guy. I mean, yeah, I, all my interactions with the, a lot of the beat, Padre beat writers were positive. Uh, AJ was was a, one of the best. I mean, he's just nice, down to earth guy, and and just uh, it, it, in the witty banter that he has, like you mentioned, is is is, is just it's fun to, to to witness and see firsthand. Um, the information that he creates is, is awesome too. I mean, like you mentioned, a creative, creative writer, and we definitely support Mr. AJ Casabell. Um, what did you think about uh, some of the information he was telling us? Uh, you know, the pitching, pitching wise and stuff. Uh, anything you gathered from the starting pitching rotation and what, what he mentioned? He's a big Chris Paddock guy. So, you know, I love that, uh, yeah. especially considering our last guest, Keith Law, was not. Uh, <laughs> so. Obviously that's, that's good news, not just for like my happiness, but just like for all Padres fans. And 
I, I keep telling people he's the best five pitcher in all of baseball. So like if he, if he's that good, then the Padres rotation has very good chance of being the best rotation in all of baseball. And it, it's exciting. Like you said, you Darvish looked good today besides the Brian O'Grady home run. I liked what he said about the, uh, about reacting to what the backyard field scrimmages is. And then I also felt that way with uh, the summer camp, I guess is what we called it last year with the scrimmages at Petco park. Cause then everyone would be like, Oh yeah. When we struck a guy out and then also be like, Oh yeah. When our guy had a home run off our pitcher. So like, you know, balancing it is a very important act. Yes. And so I liked what he said about that. Didn't want to side either way. And that was certainly a good note. And I also liked what he said about Ha-Sung Kim, you know, he's reaffirming that what everyone else has said on this podcast is probably true. The adjustment to the velocity is going to be his biggest struggle in the major leagues, but that he looked good in the field can certainly move anywhere. That's stuff that we like to hear. And he, he's there, he's watching. It's not stuff that we've seen from like movie, not movies, but from other games, film, and then reading about other stuff and then relaying it. He's seeing this stuff in firsthand now that Potter spring training has started. So that was certainly a great guest and a great timing to have him on. Exactly. Definitely. You know, and he'll get more views. You'll get more uh, idea of what these players are doing as, as the season goes along and as spring training goes along. Um, we're hoping to bring back another beat writer that's there in Peoria before uh, camp closes. Uh, I wouldn't count on AJ coming back on in, in, in such a short period of time, but uh, I'm reaching out to a couple other people. Hopefully we'll get a little more of a upfront idea uh, about what's going on in spring camp. Cause this is going to be the first time that I haven't been there in uh gosh, three, four seasons that I was out in Peoria. So uh, it's nice to get that firsthand information and kind of get the the, the little bit of tidbits of, of stuff that we need to figure out what's going on with this Padre team. Cause uh, they're not, they're not printing world series uh, trophies or world series t-shirts and, and, and giving out trophies to the Padres in, in April. That's not when, or, or May or February or March. That's not when they are. You have to earn them. And uh, this team's on a mission. There's still a lot of work to be done. Um, we're definitely positive about what we see from this team. Um, anything uh, that you gathered from the rumors on hater that uh, the Kessel talked about, um, obviously the Padres are going to be interested. I mean, every other team in the major league should be interested in, and a talent like that. Uh, I think most of the speculation comes from the fact that the Padres have so much talent that they can deal. They have the three 21, 22 year old left-handed pitchers in Morahone, Weathers and Gore that are just sitting there that are ripe and, and ready for the picking, if you will. Um, give me your thoughts on hater. And, and if this is just all just pure speculation. Well, I don't think it's speculation. Because okay. Lynn, Lynn went on, I believe, 1360. I'm not sure what he went on. Mm -hmm. It was saying that if Preller has one more move, it's to get Hayter. Okay. And then AC went on 1360, and I know that for a fact, the other, the other day, and said, well, there, I'm here. Yeah, that was last night, right? Yeah, and then that's what kind of sparked it. And obviously there's Judd. I don't put, any, I don't put anything into Judd. I think that's just some random person tweeting random crap and Potter's Twitter's going, uh, nuts over it. I wanted to say something else, but I, I tried, I try, I try to not swear. Yeah, I'm, there you, go. I, it, you never know what a future employee might be listening to this. And <laughs> it, you know, like, it's funny because it is fun to, to like say, Oh, John, he's back at it again. And like I saw yeah. Tatis MVP, but like a bit. <laughs> put, put the number of after Judd on top of the, the retired numbers. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, like, did we, have we really resorted to this people? And 
But I, I do believe that the, the hater stuff is real. I don't think the Potters are going to get him, but I, I believe that it was a real thing and that there were serious talks about trying to get hater because the left-handed relief arms for the Potters, with the exception of Drew Pomerantz, they, they have some skepticism because Matt Strong, he doesn't exactly blow anyone away. He kind of relies on some deception and he's had that knee problem that some writers think could impact the start of the season. And it certainly impacted him in the postseason and later down the stretch of the 2020 season. I don't know how he was getting like quality innings because he was very clearly banged up. He had that brace on and he was still getting put in situations against the Dodgers in the playoffs with runners on base. And I'm like, why? Like this just isn't going to go well. So I think he's a good pitcher, but there's some skepticism there. Jose Castillo, obviously injuries. I don't need to get any further into that. So Tim Hill, was very inconsistent, especially against right-handed hitters. And with the three batter minimum, that's obviously a huge concern. So left-handed relief arms are definitely a weakness of the Padres team. And we've talked about it. The bullpen went into the 2020 season as the strength of the Padres. And I think a lot of people would consider it to be the weakness of the 2020 Padres. And it's still a very good bullpen. I don't want to get anyone twisted on that. But if the Padres were to go on and make one more move, I think Hader would be a good option. I don't think it's going to happen because like AJ said, the price tag is so high as it should be. I think haters, the second best relief pitcher in all baseball, certainly the best left-handed relief pitcher in all of baseball. Drew Pomeranz, of course is up there, but haters been so dominant for the last three years. He can go multiple innings. His fastball is so good and he throws the slider and he's been working on the changeup to go along with it. He's just such an impressive pitcher. His first like 10 outings last season, he didn't allow a single hit. Now he was blocking some guys, and then he definitely started to tail off towards the end of the year, but he's such an impressive pitcher. If the Potters could get him, I, I've been very vocal that I think the Dodgers are ahead of the Potters at this point. I'd be close to putting them ahead of the Dodgers, and maybe that's because I'm biased, but I don't care. Yeah, no, I mean, it would be a, a crazy pickup if they were able to obtain Josh Hader. Um, you got to wonder what the price tag is going to be. Uh, I've heard that the Brewers are asking for Joe Musgrove, Chris Paddock, uh, maybe a couple other pitchers. Uh, they need they need help on the uh, left side of the infield, I believe. Uh, well, they got they got Luis Urias. What, what do they need help with? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I'm still a believer. I'm still a believer. You, you know, it's it's strange. The value of players go up and down just very rapidly and with no real games last season for the minor leaguers it's really hard to gauge talent of young players right now players that even scratched the main major leagues uh in 2019 and 2020 their numbers are skewed so uh it's it's all about evaluation at this point and i think that aj Perlin and his staff are in a self self-evaluation mode uh in terms of their relief pitchers which we've already covered they have a lot of them they're not all going to make the roster there's going to have to be some cuts uh javi guerra uh alta villas names like that are are on the cusp of, of possibly not making this team i mean obviously injuries still happen uh we're still weeks away from the season beginning there i can you can almost guarantee that a pitcher will go down with forearm tightness or or something like that so it's good to have depth this team has depth there's a couple issues here and there uh we mentioned the center field issue uh with aj casabell although he doesn't necessarily think it's a it's a problem they have bodies that can rotate in and out of there but um we'll just have to wait and see it's it's early uh games start on sunday right dominic 
Is that when the first yeah. game is Sunday? First game Sunday against the Mariners. Yeah, Morahone on the mound. Uh, I didn't they name Chris Paddock for Monday start as well? Yes, and I'm also debating on whether or not I want to go out to that game because I don't have class on Monday, and uh-huh. so we'll we'll, okay. we'll see. Trying not to spend too much money on gas and on tickets, but yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Uh, anything else relevant we need to cover, Padre wise? Uh, great show with AJ Casabo. I think we got some uh, some relevant information about this team. No, I don't think there's anything else Padres related we need to talk about. I think next episode we'll definitely have some more stuff to talk about because there will be some games. And yeah. like AJ said, it's tough to react to what we've seen just on the backfields because it's so tough. Because do we want to criticize you, Darvish, for allowing the home run to Brian O'Grady, or do we want to praise Brian O'Grady for yeah. just one at bat? Like yeah. that could be his only home run he hits in all of the. Yeah, I mean. So, it's just crazy. I mean, they're literally taking batting practice and pitching practice. It's just, I mean, we're all starved for content. We're all starved for baseball, Padre baseball, but like, let's just uh, tone it down just a little bit on the, on the each and every pitch. Right. Yes. But we do have some issues that we need to discuss uh, that we have, we've brought up in our group chats at East village times. I, I've caught some serious slack for becoming a Rams fan with the departure of the Chargers, <laughs> and you have been at the forefront of that. So you need to explain to our listeners why it is wrong for me to be a Rams fan, why I'm uh, Dodger-loving for being a Rams uh, fan, even though I'm a far bigger Padres fan than I am a Rams I just, fan. I don't want the C-word, the C-word to come in this podcast, and I'm afraid that it might. But um, I, I, it's not a secret that I don't I don't root for any L.A. teams any sport i i just i i have family in la i've taken a lot of ridicule from my family over the years for being a san diegan a san diego fan uh i just i don't root for la teams uh, at all anything with la in front of them i, I just don't root for i uh, yeah I've, I've ribbed you a little bit i mean you're you you support the rams the los angeles rams uh with a quarterback who's uh best friends with the dodgers ace but hey i mean to each their own right dominic <laughs> Yeah, I, I can like who who else am I supposed to root for? Like I was given a free pass. I'm an NFL I mean, free agent, so I, I don't know. I can't I can't answer that for you. I it's you're you're a lot younger than me, and I can I understand that you want to have a team to root for. That's 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 right. understandable. And, and at the time when I chose to become a Rams fan, they sucked. They they were really bad, and they ended up getting really good immediately after that. So I'll once again take some credit for that. But I also had no ties to like any other city. I'd lived in San Diego my whole life. My, my family never really rooted. Like, my dad grew up a Redskins fan, but he ditched them because Dan Snyder yeah. sucks. My mom didn't <laughs> grow up a football fan. So I I was literally a free agent. I had no ties to any other place. I'm like, oh, you know, SoCal, like, why why not? That's the same thing I chose with, like, Kings and Lakers. Like, what what else was I supposed to do? And I, yeah. I, I don't like the fact that I'm getting hate in our group chat for that. That's the life of a San Diegan, though. Well, let me ask you this question. If um, a miracle happens, a Hill Mary happens, and one day a professional football team comes back to the city of San Diego, will you change uh, alliances back to that team, or will you still love, uh, love your beloved Rams? Well, it depends when. I think if it's soon, I'd probably ditch the Rams. And it also has to not be any Spanos-related. Oh, ownership. yeah, that's – that's right. yeah. Because <laughs> my, my spite is towards <laughs> Dean Spanos. Like, it, it, I yeah. – I love Philip Rivers the three years that he remained the Chargers quarterback after there. You know, like deep down, you're hoping he plays well, but then the team, of course, finds their their most Chargers way to lose, which they did, and it was glorious. 
you know, Keenan Allen, he was awesome. Loved him. Melvin Ingram. He was awesome. Loved him. But those guys, those guys are getting their way out. So uh, all ties I have are really getting gone. Uh, And so them losing was certainly an awesome thing, but uh, I, I would consider it. Uh, you know, and also it would probably depend on where the Rams are at that point. I won't. I mean, lie we're talking about a complete miracle here, folks, too. So don't, 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 don't add us right. about the, the, they're talking about the, the Chargers are coming back or anything because we're, we're, no. this is all speculation. I mean, this is not happening and, anytime soon. <laughs> and I'm not sure where they build the new stadium because, yeah, because exactly. the, the Aztecs, SDSU West is going to serve its purpose. It's a football stadium for a non-Power 5 football team that could also serve as a professional soccer team. I think that someday there will be an MLS team that plays there. Sure, and that's sure. awesome. But an NFL team is not going to move to San Diego to play at a 35,000-seat no. stadium. That's just not what's no. going to happen because it's not smart for the NFL to do. Uh, so I don't know if it will ever happen. I, I I, really don't think it will just because. No, I I, I – you know, I'm 40, going to be 45, and I really don't think it's going to happen in my lifetime. And maybe, maybe when I'm sitting at Shady Acres, uh, rocking in my rocking chair, we might talk about the San Diego Tide or whatever the hell they might be called at, at some day. But it's going to take a billionaire to come in and put a stadium downtown where the NFL wants it, where they can be all high class and and have their Super Bowl parties right. and that. It, it's, and it, that's the, what it's going to take. The I don't know how much attention the NFL pays attention to baseball because they really shouldn't, but they should see how successful Petco park has been. And if they want to build a stadium it'd have to be downtown. Now yeah. the question would be, where do you build that downtown? Because the, the, downtown the is just going. Yeah. I mean, there, there's nowhere to go out. It's only going yeah. up at this point. And that, it, it honestly, it keeps making Petco park cooler. Uh, if I won't lie, uh, yeah. it's been really cool to see the transformation of that stadium. Even, even from the, just the, this, the poster I have above my computer, just like see what's happened. And I, the Potters are wearing like their blue camo and they're facing the Dodgers in the starting pitcher. Well, the starting shortstop is Alexi Amarista. So that, that gives you a good picture of how long ago it was. And then like, if I were to go behind home plate now at Petco park, I would see a couple more skyscrapers and there are in this picture. So it, I, we're, we're getting really off topic there, but uh, <laughs> screw the chargers. I, I can support whatever team I want to, as long as I recognize that I'm, a much bigger Padres fan than I will ever be a Rams fan. <laughs> you are entitled to root for whoever you want. The, the, the ribbing is just good nature. And it's just yes. the fact that I just don't like teams from LA. I don't, I don't care. I did Lakers, Kings, ducks, the angels. I mean, people are trying to tell me that the angels aren't LA. I just Los Angeles angels. At one time, they were the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. I don't know no, what they, they are. They still are. Is that what they are now? I don't know. It seems like they change it every every other year. Um, we really got off topic here, folks. We we didn't even get into your 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 softball playoffs that are happening tonight. Which we, yeah. Well, what what are your predictions for my for how my softball playoffs go? I I am the pitcher for our slow pitch softball team. I are are you taking on the number one seed in your first game? No, the second game if we win. If you win. Um, yeah, I, you know, just just do your thing. That's all I can tell you. you, you just beware of the 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 first place team that you've uh, you've told me about that uh, have yes. a lot of uh, mashers on them. That, that's, yes. That's all. Also, am I a loser for intentionally walking a hitter in slow pitch softball? Mm, no, I wouldn't. Every situation is different. I don't. I, I couldn't. I mean, if well, you were, let me let me describe the situation. Okay, so basically. Describe. 
we're, you know, it's, it's ASU intramural softball. Like it, it's not like too competitive, but, but, you know, you want to win. And there's a lot of, you know, chit chat going on back and forth because, you know, we are 20 year olds playing in intramural sports and, you know, I'm pitching guy. It's a pop up to second base in the entire dugout that they've done this before. Clearly they all go, I got it. I got it. I got it. Simultaneously second baseman jumps, drops the ball, uh, couple outscore two runs in that inning. That's why we ultimately ended up losing. Uh, but then the next half inning, their pitcher, uh, we hit a pop-up right in front of our dugout and he's running. We all yell, I got it. I got it. I got it. He catches it, gives us a big F U S M S Mikey. And we're like, all right, like good for you. You caught, you caught a pop-up man. Like congrats. And then, uh, he said, come meet me out here. I'll meet you in the parking lot. We're like, wow. okay. Like, like, you know, like saying like, ha, F you were like, okay, that's fine. But like, meet us in the parking lot. It's like, okay, really dude. And then yeah. later in the game, we hit a line drive to him. He's at first base this time and he catches it and he like hip thrusts towards us. And we're like, like, dude, the, you caught a line <laughs> drive, stop. And then he, in the last inning we were winning and then he had a single to center field. And then my center fielder, who's really slow ball ended up getting by him and he hit a, he scored. And they they gave them the home run chain anyways, which they have a home run chain for ASU B League intramurals. It's really dumb, and uh, they were going nuts on the in the dugout. And then he came up later that inning because the defense made four or five more errors that inning. I promise you, I don't suck at pitching. And he came up, and first base was open. This guy has been on our on our tails the entire game. And he also ran straight through our catcher uh, when he hit the home run, even though there was no play home. So I, I said, I said, you know, what? I'm not going to give you the satisfaction of hitting. And so I, I intentionally walked him. I put him on first base and um, I had been called the P word probably about 50 times by that team, the span of the next two minutes. Right. And it was, it was one of the greatest moments of my life because uh, I enraged 30 frat boys so badly. <laughs> <clears throat> it was, it was just so incredible. And I ended up getting the next guy out then heading and, they, they were very mad chance. We play them again tonight. So hopefully things go better for us, but yeah. Am I, am I in the right there for, for intentionally walking someone in, in slow pitch softball? You put the, you put everything on yourself with that. Um, you could have pitched around them. You didn't necessarily have to like, just like go take your base. I mean, I, I don't know. Well, I no, but I wanted to make sure that he knew that I wasn't going to yeah. let him hit. Well, I mean, when you do that, you kind of lead yourself up to, to oh, be, yeah. especially when yeah. you, you know you're playing a bunch of mouths uh, with football mentality out there. I mean, I played softball for 25 years, and sometimes you play teams that have that football mentality and they're out there to hurt someone. And it's slow pitch softball, which is bizarre because I also play baseball, and you never see that mentality when someone's playing baseball against you. It's always slow pitch softball. It is what it is. I mean, it's tough. I mean, Dominic, it's tough. You're pitching underhand. They should be getting hits off of you two out of three times. I mean, that's just that's just what they should be doing. Yeah. So you should think if you hold them under 10 runs, I've always in a seven inning game, that's always a positive for me. Right. They they I think at that point they had 17 runs. I'd say honestly, about 14 of them were unearned. Like my, the defense was so pathetic that game. It was, yeah. it was yeah. brutal, but Hey, it happens. I mean, the, these guys were hitting the ball so hard 
it was, they were incredibly good. And the fact that we were beating them going into the last inning and then they scored like 10 unearned runs was, was something I, hopefully we get them this time. I I, I want them. You get them. If you get them, watch, watch your lips. That's all. Yes. No, they do. They, they do not care. They were hitting. Is there a box box rule in Arizona? No, no, absolutely. No box rule, huh? That's, that's, that's it's, in some California think, thing. These refs are getting paid. The umps are getting paid ten bucks an hour, and they don't specialize in any one sport. They're just okay. out there. They're instructed to rule on height for pitches. I mean, I'm throwing like moon balls, and like sometimes mm-hmm. they'll call them, sometimes they don't. They don't care. They just want the ten bucks an hour so they can pay for their alcohol on Sunday night. Yeah, well, the the box rule is to protect the pitcher because sometimes. Right. Players come up, they're beasts, and, and they're using rolled bats that are illegal. And their intention is to try to take your head off. And you, you'll get a ball hit back at you 120 miles per hour, a slow pitch softball. And it's not exactly fun when you're 40 feet away. I mean, 45 feet, they're not, you know, and you have such a small window to pitch the ball into that mm-hmm. they, they have all the power. Like I, in, in our game two weeks ago, I hit a line drive straight back at the pitcher. And like, as the pitcher, I felt bad and yeah. he and catch. I ended up on first. I, I, I touched first and I said like, you good bro. And he's like, he's like, you, you, uh, you, he got super mad at me. And then I got two hit at me in the next inning. I'm like, all right. Like, I guess I shouldn't have felt bad. I should have like, you know, not, not, but what, what do I know? It's I I'm having fun. It's going to get back out on the baseball field, even yeah. though it's yeah. slow pitch softball, it's something. Yeah, exactly. Where you you're out you're out and and uh, enjoying the Arizona air, and that's all that matters. Just like the Padres. Uh, yes. Dominic, yeah. take us out of here. We kind of rambled off on the Sea World. Gonna went on softball there. Uh, great show today with AJ Casavell. Uh, a lot of information. Uh, give us give us uh, uh, some feedback, folks. If you see anything or hear anything on the show that needs to be changed? Uh, I was told today that I I say what did I what was I told today that I say often. I don't even, I don't know. I got someone tweeted at me that I say uh, a phrase often uh, apologies. Uh, if there's a, an issue, definitely let us know and we will rectify that. Uh, Dominic takes out of here. Uh, episode 138 is in the books. Yes. Thank you all for tuning in to episode 138 of the Padres East Village Times podcast. Make sure to follow our guest at AJ, uh, AJ Castabell on Twitter. If you're not following him on Twitter and you're a Padres fan, I genuinely don't know what to tell you because she's the potters lb.com beat writer so you should definitely be following him make sure to follow james and i on twitter follow me at dmstern19 and follow james at evt underscore j clark to see all of our content follow our podcast at evt podcast to see whenever we release our podcast release some videos from this podcast or any other podcast that you might have missed and make sure to follow east village times on twitter at evt underscore news to see whenever we post a part Post an article on eastvillagetimes.com. Like I said, Padres Spring Training. We'll have some more articles coming out on that stuff like that. We have other Padres articles. We have SDSU coverage. SDSU baseball started last, this past weekend. SDSU basketball season is coming to a close. I know I've had a fun time covering that team this year. So make sure to check out all the content we put out on eastvillagetimes.com. On behalf of James Clark, thank you for tuning in. We'll catch you guys next week for episode 139.